Well, good morning, everyone. Let's grab our Bibles this morning and turn to Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14 is where we'll be reading. Uh, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? <laughs> uh, one that we will not soon forget, I'm sure. I think it's appropriate that today we're culminating our series that's entitled Connected because this week there's been all kinds of living examples of connection and, and relationship building and growth and, and community service under, let's face it, unusual pressure, <laughs> discomfort, cancellations, and in the face of disconnection. So good for you. You survived Ice Storm 2017. Welcome to spring, right? <laughs> hmm. Silly tapper. Uh, week one of, uh, and two of this series, uh, we talked about uh, living together in community, and then last week we nailed down the idea of learning together in discipleship. This week we're landing our series by emphasizing, as you've already guessed it, I'm sure, loving together in service. Loving together in service. Just two verses of scripture that we'll read this morning. And they're found in Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's called The Miracle on Ice. The 1980 U.S. men's hockey team led by head coach Herb Brooks. You know this story. Many of you would, I presume. The U.S. was not expected to win the 1980 Winter Olympic gold medals. In fact, they weren't even expected to medal at all. Who was expected to win? Someone said Canada. Soviets. The Soviet Union was expected to win. And yet, there was that pesky U.S. team. A, a team of amateur college hockey players playing against active-duty Soviet soldiers, grown men with their well-developed league and their world-class training facility. That 1980. U.S. Olympic team pulling out a miraculous 4-3 upset, stunning the entire world, beating the mighty Soviets, and going on to clinch the gold medal there in the 1980 Winter Olympics. Now, we hockey-loving Canadians were a little bit unsure about this story, but for Americans who love hockey, this is their 1972 Henderson. Right? I heard an amen from an American over there. Yeah. <laughs> but if you know anything about this story at all, this 1980 U.S. Olympic team story, you probably know that it didn't start off so well for this team. Invited U.S. college players, they assembled for the Olympic tryouts there in 1979 in Colorado Springs. Nine of the players were from the University of Minnesota, Four of the players were from Boston University. Now, University of Minnesota players 
and Boston U players, they were perennial rivals. They absolutely hated each other. In fact, fights actually broke out in the tryouts, in the middle of the Olympic tryouts, among these U.S. players. And so during one of these tryouts, maybe you've seen the movie Miracle, right? Coach Brooks, he hauls his team together at center ice after a fight, and he shouts, what is your name and who do you play for? Rob McClanahan, University of Minnesota. Jack O'Clanahan, University of Boston. <laughs> Next game, they play an exhibition game against Norway. The players are distracted. They're eyeballing the beautiful Norwegian women in the stands. They're playing way, way below their potential, and the game ends in a 3-3 tie. Well, the coach, Coach Brooks, He's fuming. Rather than walk back to the dressing room after the game, Brooks has all of his players line up to skate exhausting wind sprints on the, on the ice. What is your name and who do you play for? Jim Craig, University of Boston. Skate, he says. What is your name and who do you play for? Bill Baker, University of Minnesota. Skate, he says. Finally. Exhausted, Mike Aruzioni, a Boston University player, he finally answers Brooks and shouts out the answer that Brooks wants to hear. Universe, or United States of America, he says. I play for the United States of America. Coach Brooks replies, fellas, the team on the front of your jersey is a lot more important than the personal name on the back. And you know the rest of the story. The players, they come together and they win the Olympic gold medal. Let me ask this morning, what is your name and who do you play for? It's a question that each of us, in one way or another, answers for ourselves. It's a question, essentially, that Paul was challenging the Galatian church to consider in the passage that we just read. In essence, there, in verse 13, Paul says, Christian, you are free to live in freedom. Such an awesome message to a group of Christians who knew full well what it was like to live under the bondage of the law. And to these people, and by extension, us at Moncton Wesleyan, Paul says, Acceptance with God is based on your faith in Jesus Christ. And that means, friends, that you are free from the law that you could never fulfill on your own. You, we have assurance and security. And we can be self-confident. We are free, Paul says. But be careful. Be careful how you use your freedom. Church in our world today, we champion the fact that everyone has a unique name. You are free, our world says, 
to be whoever you want to be, to discover who you are, to shape your own fluid identity and your own world. Why? Because you have a personal right to do so with a personal set of beliefs. So don't be tethered by the burden of tradition or religion. Those things will only hold you down and hinder you, our contemporary society says. No, create your own unique version of truth. It's what's inside that counts. You are sovereign over your own choices and your own body. What is your name and who do you play for? We tell people every day on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, my name is Mike and I play for me. Church, into a context like ours, Paul says you are free, verse 13. But be careful. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use that freedom to what? Serve one another in love. Well, maybe you're here this morning and uh, you're asking, what is that sort of... uh, What does that sort of freedom actually look like? Uh, Friends, you're about to actually see and hear what one of those examples actually looks like. Nathan Adams is here. Some of you know who Nathan Adams is. Nathan just recently returned from Babaco, Haiti. Uh, Yes, woo, right on, excellent, yeah. Come on up, Nathan. He spent 24 days actually there. Now, Nathan is a commissioned worker here in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick. Nathan doesn't make a whole lot of money when, uh, when he's not working, but over Christmas break, uh, Nathan decided that there were some people who uh, actually needed him. And so, Nathan used the freedom that God has given him to do something really great to serve one another so church let's welcome nathan here this morning yeah nathan yeah you are loved my friend uh nathan give us a snapshot of your life four years ago my friend before i do that mike i do want to thank you for having me here today and i want to thank you for everything you've poured into my life Hmm. there's so many people here that would say the same thing to you today Hmm. cool So here's a snapshot. Driven, senior manager at a Toyota dealership, working on my MBA, had a big home, pool, nice vacations, good kids and marriage, getting near the top of a ladder that I'd been trying to climb. Uh, Any downside to that at all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Money's weird, it would evaporate like snow in the the spring. Um, I was an active believer, I was serving, but I really wasn't as spiritually consistent as was necessary to be used by God. And I was under stress all the time, restless, and I could not be content. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about going on your first mission trip. Well, Jen and I and our son Josh went to Haiti four years ago on a team Kevin Campbell led. We held a toddler who was one and a half years old and weighed under 10 pounds. It was bones with eyes. Mm. 
in the village of Babaco, we worked with men who I began to realize could not provide for their families. It was utterly beyond their power. They were, no, they were no different than I was, except they had been born without a chance. And their children were no different than mine, except their children had no future. I hadn't realized how hard and jaded my heart had become until Haiti just smashed it. It was like ripping a thick callus that had been covering my heart off. It was horrible, but it was freeing. And in that space, God distinctly called me to help in Babaco. So what happened after that? <laughs> everything and nothing. <laughs> yeah. The everything was we sold our home and downsized, like Stephanie. Uh, we both ended up changing our jobs so we could be more available to help. Um, we went down, served with uh, Alan Dunn as co-leaders and then became team leaders. I learned everything I could about development models and we even successfully completed a community consultation down there and figured out that their biggest need was water for agricultural development. Mm. But nothing happened in the sense that their needs were actually way too big to meet. How much money would that take? 50,000, 100,000, 150,000? Who knows? And it was so far beyond my expertise or the team's expertise that it was impossible. It was ridiculous to even try, really. Plus, a two-year spiritual battle began uh, for me. Satan attacked every weak point in my life. Mm. And I don't think I've ever been through a a period so dark for so long in my life. Mm. So what what changed that? Well, a year and a half ago, I finally had a spiritual breakthrough. Something clicked. And I learned how to plug into God's power spiritually and rely on it instead of my own Hmm. intellect or my willpower or my emotional state at the time. Our teams really began to pray. Hmm. And then these amazing things began to happen, like miracles, providences. For instance, one day we just find out World Hope Canada wants to sponsor the project. Wow, the next day, and the director wants to come with you on the project. What? And what a resource that's been the whole way. Another example, John Westrup, one of our team members last year and this year, felt led for the first time in his life distinctly to pray for something. So he prayed that all the electrical supplies would be donated last year. Uh That night he prayed, the next morning, another team member walked into a supplier and everything was donated, thousands of dollars worth of stuff. That's cool. That's cool. Then another opportunity came up. Uh, they needed someone to go down ahead of the team and teach a uh, marriage seminar with Margot Bandy and uh, Berries. And uh, we went down, and because we went down, at that exact time that we went down, we connected with a ministry there that does agriculture, and they said, we're going to resource you in every possible cool. way for this project. Um, then the team got down there, and everywhere the team went, we were the right people at the right time, in the right place. You need an expert? Oh, hey, I just happen to be a refrigeration technician or whatever to fix this problem. Mm. It was crazy. And then the biggest thing of all was that one day while we were walking in there, uh, an American team visited. And right in front of us, God almost audibly spoke to two of the leaders and said, I want you to come and join these guys in this mission. Mm. The church itself in Babaco came alive with a new pastor we'd been praying about. Mm. And it was exciting. And in the midst of it, God renewed a call on my heart uh, that had been there for a long time to be a pastor. And I got a chance to preach in Haiti. It was a dream come true. 
Dorothy Gaudet summed the whole thing up last year. She said, God's got this. That's, That's cool. how she said it. Awesome, Dorothy. That's great. Uh, tell us about this year's trip. Well, we planned all year. It looked great. We had uh, American teams from Pennsylvania and New York State. We had found a company in Haiti that was going to drill an industrial-sized well for us at a price we could actually afford because they were a ministry. Mm. And uh, one of the Americans was going down to project manage the whole thing, and he was very technically talented. Mm. <clears throat> and then it all fell apart uh, about eight weeks ago. The uh, drill rig went down with a part on back order that they were talking February for that part. We had an $80,000 funding source we thought we had locked up and we lost it. And then the project manager's wife, two days before they were supposed to leave, got horribly sick and he had to cancel. That was the situation six weeks ago. And then what? <laughs> well, our team was praying. We were doing an awesome study on prayer. And we were praying against what was real active opposition from Satan. So first thing happened, an engineer popped up from the New York area, and he went down for the whole month of December and designed key parts of this thing. He even found out we could do solar power for the project. And we were like, what? Solar power? Like, where did that come from? And then there was a surprise offering that was taken here, and you guys helped out. That was one of a whole bunch of things that happened along those lines. Um, and then I had to go down, because I don't think there was anybody else, and I wasn't excited about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm at a loss for words to, to describe to you what happened during those four weeks. There's no way to condense it all. Basically, God just took care of everything that was needed every day. Every day in Haiti, the project threatened to come apart. It's an environment that pounds you, and it's ridiculous, really. We didn't have enough translators. Mike, I had to try to speak French. Have you heard my French? Say <laughs> très mauvais. <laughs> Terrible. Je comprends. <laughs> but it's like we got lost in the right direction every time. Every time there was a delay, it turned out to be God's providential hand. Uh, for instance, we came down to the final day in the project that that well could be drilled, and the rig was still broken. I went in, somehow made the deal of a lifetime with these people. God fixed the rig, and they were drilling two days later. Mm. It was the last possible moment. The whole project was going to fail, and right at the last second, God came through. That's awesome. And, and money. Yeah. Mike, we hit $100,000. Wow. That wow. came in from prayer. There was no major donor. It was just people in churches. Mm. Didn't even ask for it. We built chicken coops. We did uh, the solar power, we finished the school, we did electrical, we built a pump house, uh, we got their security up to par. Um, it was a beehive. Uh, I don't think Pastor B could pump his arms enough and get all excited, you know, to, uh, to explain how incredible and exciting and rewarding and laughable it all was, really. Hmm. Every day was working with God. We would pray, and then we would do, but then God would do. Uh, phenomenal, really. And when we finally drilled that well, finally, the well driller started laughing. And I said, what? He goes, there's a lot of water here. How much? 500 gallons a minute. Mike, 500 gallons a minute is a river. <laughs> we hit a river. Uh, it was just spewing up everywhere. <laughs> uh, it was just abundance. And, and guys, the best is yet to come because... Uh, the two teams from the Americans went down, but the Canadians, our team, goes down on Tuesday, led by Jen and Tasha and Kevin Bain and you. 
And God's going to complete that work and do some spiritual work there that's going to be amazing. Mm. What does it cost you? Well, it costs everything. Um, but then I got everything back that actually mattered. Mm. And I got to work with God. God is <clears throat> so amazingly good. Uh, did you know that on the way back from this work trip, I got stranded in Guadeloupe on the beach, <laughs> all expenses paid by Air France. I was eating lamb chops on the beach for Jesus. Like, <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> I got back, my wife like really missed me. Uh, the family life was better. And uh, I was working on my master's in theology, and I thought, this is going to kibosh it. Mike, I got more done on that hmm. than if I'd never gone. That's great. If you guys look at the screen here, there's a verse that Darlene Jenkins found over a year ago. Mm. It says, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. We prayed it until God made it happen. Mike, each day is turned into an adventure, mm. uh, there and here. God just cares so much for people. Mm -hmm. He has a heart for kids with no future, there and here. His heart breaks here for people who are addicts, who are broken, and who are living meaningless life. And when our hearts start to break over the things that his heart breaks for, then we finally discover why we're here on this earth. And we get to work with the creator himself to restore people's lives. We get to breathe his hope right into their lives, and we find out that that hope's right in our, it's in us too. And we get to be part of bringing rivers of gushing water to dusty, starving places. That's awesome. And trust me, Mike, mm. there is no better day in your whole life than when you dance in that water with God. It's hmm. awesome. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, that, is, uh, that is so good, eh? <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That is so good. <laughs> uh, thank you. Mm. I'm going to do what I probably shouldn't do, and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to guess, actually, what maybe, maybe a few of you, maybe who didn't stand up, are thinking. And maybe it goes like this. There they go again. Moncton, Wesleyan, marches, one of those trophies up on the platform. <laughs> Nathan is handsome. He is chiseled, right? He's gifted, he's well-spoken, and he gets up there and he talks about miracles in another country. And he tells us all about drilling irrigation wells and developing self-sustaining programs and he saves a village. So they put him up here on a platform. I'm on to you, Moncton Wesleyan. There you go again, shining up one of your trophies. And furthermore, there is no way that I can be superhuman like Nathan. Right? Well, first off, as much as I love Nathan, and I really, really love Nathan in a healthy sort of way, he, <laughs> he is not superhuman. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's mortal, and furthermore, I think that most of us can probably relate to his personal struggle with the flesh, can't we? you catch it? 
Nathan honestly talking about a jaded heart and a reliance on, the, on self, a two-year battle, a really painful spiritual battle, that shift in his heart from me to we. And what did he say? What did he say it cost him? Everything. Everything. And yet in the process, he said, he got everything back that mattered. Folks, that freedom, no matter who you are here today and what capacities you possess, that's freedom. That's freedom. And that's not a trophy, church. Straight up, that's freedom. A shift in a person's heart in your heart and my heart, from what society says is good to what God says is good. Secondly, if you're a contributing member of this team that we call Moncton Wesleyan, then this is not just Nathan Adams' story. Yes, ultimately, it is God's story, but folks, you are part of this Babaco story. And not just this story, but lots of other stories around here. Stories of how people are serving in our local community, for example, at Teen Challenge and Harvest House. Stories of how lives are being changed at places like the Food Depot and Second Mile Food Bank. Stories of redemption and healing at the Pregnancy Resource Center of Moncton. See, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're here with us, you're part of these sorts of stories, amazing stories of what God is actually doing in our midst. And that's a good thing, amen? It's a good thing to be a part of. And I'm sure that you want to be a part of that as well. I certainly do. Stories of investment in the lives of adults and teenagers at Caton's Island and Kingswood and the Buckingham Leadership Institute and through organizations like Compassion Canada and Hebsiba Ministries and World Hope Canada. And friends, you're part of a great ministry when you join with us as a church to support missionaries like Carl and Maya Jill and Dan and Joy Irvine and Jesse and Celinda Van Horn. Their stories are our stories and we need them and they need us. So what is your name and who do you play for? What is your name and who do you play for? Church, we're all on the same team. And we all have an active varied role to play. So Mike, as we close, what do you want us to do? <clears throat> well, we're about to sing a song, church. It's called From the Inside Out. And if you believe what you sing here in a few moments, one of the statements that you'll make to God is this. My purpose remains, the song goes, your will above all else. 
Friends, that's front shirt. That's not back shirt. That's front shirt. We'll sing. My purpose is the art of losing myself in bringing you praise. Well, what does that look like? Nathan said that part of it is spending time with God and allowing the Holy Spirit to break our hearts for the things that break God's heart. What are those things? Relationships, people, the world. Does that change happen in an instant? No, it, it takes time. Yielding yourself, yielding control, it takes, it takes time to shift from a me-centered focus, a me-centered life, to the freedom of a God-centered life. And so for some of you this morning, the challenge is really simple. It's simply this, to get with God. To get with God. To get into his word. And study it. And look at it. To get into prayer. To get into community. And clearly discover what God does and what God is like the brochures at the kiosks, the connection brochure that many of you have in your hands. This whole connection series has been designed to profile opportunities for you to get with God. Take advantage of them. Take advantage of them. For others of you, your call to action is in the text that we just read there in Galatians. Friends, if you want to know God's heart, if you want to feel the freedom that those who lose themselves experience, then serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. Get involved and serve in this church. Serve alongside us in Greater Moncton. Serve with us globally, all around the world. How do you indicate your interest in getting involved in this church, or locally, or globally? Today, it's really, really simple. It's really simple. Stop by a kiosk, a connection kiosk, on your way out, and let someone, themselves a person who is actually serving, stop by that kiosk and let them know that you would like to get involved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That's the call. Church, one of the lies that our society tells us, our self-absorbed, freedom-warped culture, what they tell us, what our culture tells us, is that in order to be free, we've got to be somebody really, really great. We've got to stand out. We've got to change the world. We've got to aspire to do something really, really great with impact. So what do we do? Following our culture, we look for those extraordinary things to do. And as we wait for those elusively great things, as we anticipate some sort of massive breakthrough, we wait to be discovered whole parade of opportunities to simply 
and humbly do something good goes marching by. The Holy Spirit laying a need on your heart this morning, here at this church, in our community, around the world, do something about it. Tell us about it. Did you catch Stephanie Lorette's testimony about helping hands? It's awesome. God laid a need on her heart two years ago. And she recognized that need. And she addressed it by serving others. And in doing so, church, Stephanie will tell you when you talk to her out in the atrium here in a few moments, she experienced a freedom that only God can give. What Pastor Mark said earlier, he's right. We have been given a lot. We have been given a lot. And we should believe our beliefs, but we should act like we believe them too. So here's one belief that we've heard today and our call to action from Galatians as we, cho- as we close. You can stand this morning. My friends, you have been called to live in freedom. You have been called to live in freedom, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Let's continue to worship.